Welcome home. I'm Dr. Tama, a minister, licensed psychologist, and sacred artist. And this is Homecoming, a podcast to facilitate your journey home to yourself. While I will provide weekly inspiration and mental health tips, this podcast is not a substitute for therapy. I'm so excited you're on the journey. If you want to request specific topics or share your progress, email me at homecomingpodcasts at gmail.com. Also, after you listen, be sure to like, subscribe, and share. Let's begin. Here we are for another episode of Homecoming. Today, we want to focus on oppression and the journey home. I want you to understand the subtitle, which is It's not all in your head. In traditional psychology or Western psychology, American and European psychology, uh, many therapists would present the idea, if it's not in the room, it doesn't count. And the way they think about that is we can't change anything outside of ourselves, so you just have to focus on you. But there are some challenges, uh, some limitations to that approach because it ignores the reality that each of us are beings that have been raised and live in a context in which there are multiple hierarchies, that there are those who are targeted, those who are marginalized, those who are institutionally systematically left out and discarded. And so when we take those things into consideration, it is not surprising that you lost track of yourself. It is not surprising that you discounted yourself. There is something called internalized oppression. Internalized oppression is when I come to believe the lies I've been told about myself. What are the lies, the stereotypes, the stigma that you have been told directly or indirectly about the groups you belong to? What are the lies that exist about black women, about Latinas, about Asian women and Asian men? What are the lies that are perpetuated about people living with mental illness or who are differently able? What are the lies that we are told about body size and body shaming? What are the lies that we have been told about people who are low income or who are have who have access to less education? What are the lies that are told about people based on their sexuality? What are the lies that are told based on people's religious affiliation? What are the lies that are told based on your age group? What do people say about persons who are your age? Those are thick in the culture. And because of those realities, even when you're driving down the street, The billboards that we see tell us a message about womanhood, tell us a message about our value, our worth. They tell us a message commercial after commercial about who is worthy, who will be chosen, who should be pursued, who is attractive. And in social psychology, there's something called a halo effect. 
The halo effect is once we determine that certain people are attractive, we also attribute other positive qualities to them. And that includes even children. Children in a classroom, the ones the teachers decide are attractive, they also assume they are smarter, kinder, better than their more uh, disheveled peers or their peers who are less celebrated physically. So we all live in this reality. Is it no wonder that you have come to a place in your life or that at some point you came to a place in your life where you felt less? where you ended up neglecting yourself or thinking you had to settle for less because this is the best you could hope for. And I want to tell you strongly that that belief did not originate in your head, that you have been fed that since you have been on the planet. If we can understand the power of advertisement, if it did not work, they would not spend millions upon millions of dollars on Super Bowl ads. If it did not work, they would not put whole resources and departments and corporations to teach you how you're supposed to feel about you. And that ends up showing up in so many ways. And so we may think about how our family bought into colorism. We may think about how our family gave us messages about our nose or our mouths or about our body shape. We can think about that and on an individual level, but I want you to know it is so much bigger. So as opposed to traditional psychology that would just say, you just need to change your thoughts, there are other approaches to psychology that mandate what we call consciousness raising. For you to develop a keen awareness about the ways that we have been brainwashed, the ways that we have been mistreated and diluted and encouraged to abandon ourselves. And then it will make sense. It might even make you a little upset or a lot upset when you recognize the ways in which you and children who look like you or children who are from your same background are systematically programmed to believe they are inferior. That's not a matter of just an individual child feeling insecure, but it is a system that is created and built to maintain the status quo of power inequity. So you may say, is this really psychological? Absolutely. As a man thinketh, so is he. As a woman thinketh, so is she. And so once people control your thought process about yourself, then it is much easier to control behavior. And so psychologically, many of us are in bondage and we want to recognize on today the ways in which I have been from my youth taught to devalue myself and try to become some other person. The ways I have been programmed to accept less and be grateful for it. The ways in which my mind has been 
shaped to betray me, to see myself as less. I mean, can you really comprehend who benefits from our insecurity? Who benefits from our sense of inadequacy? Who benefits from us believing that we can never get past a certain point? There are beneficiaries, whether they acknowledge it or not. And each of us are members of various groups. And so in some ways you are targeted and in some ways you may be a beneficiary. And so we have to own both the ways we are targeted and the ways that we are privileged. And then I can come to terms with the barriers that have kept me away from myself. So there are concepts like feminist psychology, womanist psychology, multicultural psychology, liberation psychology, community psychology, which is based on not just understanding the individual, but recognizing that we are based in systems systems of oppression. And Kimberly Crenshaw used the term intersectionality, which means belonging to multiple oppressed groups. And the impact of that, being a woman of color, being a person who is differently abled and bisexual, being a person who is Muslim in America and low income. So looking at the different aspects of your identity and the ways in which you have been treated and depicted so that you can wake up to the truth that the state that you are currently in, while it is in your hands and the community's hands, to fix it, you are not the one who totally dismantled it. We each have agency and there we have a role and a part that we can play. We can shape our lives in particular ways, but we have to also face the truth that it is bigger than us. So I want you to breathe into that reality, and I want to tell you another term, which is decolonized psychology. Decolonized psychology. So from a colonial perspective, uh, there is a lot of victim blaming, where you break people down and then say, why are y'all bent over? <laughs> Where you mistreat people, it would be gaslighting on a grand scale. So it is bigger than an individual relationship. I mean, to enslave people for hundreds of years and then create a stereotype that they're lazy. I mean, can you really get with that? Can you really take that in? When we have mistreated the planet, mistreated the economy, and then we blame millennials for not sticking to one job. I mean, we have to look at the ways in which we have been impacted uh, by these lies. Because sometimes those lies are standing between you and coming home to yourself. Who told you you were unattractive? Who told you what beautiful was? Who told you that you had to have light eyes for them to be beautiful? 
that you had to have thin, long hair for it to be beautiful? Who told you that your body had to be shaped a certain way? The reality is that's not just in your head. And we are treated differently based on those markers. So what we have to come to is the ways I have been treated are not a reflection of my worth. Let me tell you again. The ways I have been treated are not a reflection of my worth. If I don't understand that, when I am a part of a marginalized group and I experience discrimination, mistreatment, there's something called microaggressions, when I experience these day after day, week after week, throughout my life, I can come to believe that these things must be happening to me because there is something broken in me or that I happen to be born to a group that is inferior. And I want you to know that is a lie, a socially constructed, intentional lie to keep you trapped and separated from yourself. So to come home to myself, I cannot base my identity, my worth, or my value on the opinions of those who want to see me fail. There are those in our culture, in our society, who want me to feel like less as a way to control resources and opportunities and as a way to justify the inequities. So on today, we wake up, in the words of Spike Lee, <laughs> on today, we take uh, the veil, the blinders off our eyes and we see clearly as we look over the course of our lives, not just what individuals said, not just what individuals did, but the larger scale, looking at the textbooks that you grew up reading, how often did you see yourself represented as a contributor to society? How often did you walk into a classroom and see images that look like you on the board. Or conversely, if you watch the evening news, who would you believe are the people who are doing most of the violent crimes? If you watch the evening news, when, if ever, do people like you show up? So all of those things have an impact. I want you to be very careful about internalized oppression. Internalized oppression can sound like this. I can't stand black people, even though I'm black. Internalized oppression is when a woman says, oh, I can't deal with women. Women are too petty. I'd rather be friends with men. If you are the only one in your group that you like, you have bought into the oppressive lie that you are somehow inferior. If you're the only member of your group that is worthy, you're the only one, then we're talking about internalized oppression. And some of us, because you get celebrated when you're willing to disconnect from your community, some of us have bought into it and like to be the only one. 
when people think they're giving me a compliment and say, oh, you're not like the other black people. I really like you. You're not like the other ones. I mean, what kind of fool would I have to be <laughs> to think that's a compliment? So we have to work very actively not to buy into those messages. So the things I despise about myself, what is the root of that? When I despise my very body, when I despise my skin color, when I despise my faith, what is at the root of that? And when we get through consciousness raising, it is also about a key word that you will find in these other forms of psychology I mentioned, uh, liberation, womanist, feminist, um, black psychology, you will hear about it. You will not hear this word I'm about to say in traditional psychotherapy. You will not hear it in cognitive behavioral. You will not hear it in psychodynamic. You will not hear it in humanistic. And that word is resist. That word is resist. Traditional psychology teaches you to cope. To cope and change your thinking because the problem lies with you. But when I recognize the ways these systems are set up, I know that within me and outside of me, my sanity, my mental health requires me actively every day to resist the lies I've been told about me. That as I'm flipping through a magazine, as I'm driving down the street looking at all these billboards, as I look at who is cast as the leading lady every time, I have to actively resist the poison of self-hatred. I have to actively resist retreating within myself or trying to disconnect from myself or settling and accepting poor treatment, accepting negative treatment because I am believing those lies or just coping. So coping is fine in the moment. Coping, you know, that's how you get through the day. But you have to, to survive in a society where there are messages bombarding you to despise yourself. You have to actively fight to love you. Eve Ensler, who did the vagina monologues, she said in an interview, to say to yourself, to look at your body and say, I love it, is a radical act. It is a revolutionary act to look at your body and say, I love it. I love my hair. I love my teeth. I love my lips. I love my eyes. I love my hips. I love my thighs. I, I love it is a revolutionary act. And she said, none of us 100% believe it, but it is the revolutionary act to even declare it, to declare it into yourself. And so some of us are not home within ourselves because we have been taught to despise ourselves. And I want you to know you are worthy. You are altogether lovely. You are beautiful, which is why our ending song every week says that we are beautiful. Yes, we are. Yes, we are. 
And I mean that on the inside and out, on the inside and out, to lean into that truth. And when I recognize my beauty, I don't then buy into a, a hierarchy that says only me, right? That I am and only me. No, it means that I'm so comfortable in the skin I'm in that I can celebrate you and yours. I can celebrate you and yours. I can, and it doesn't take anything off of me. But it also means that I recognize it's not just a psychological exercise, but that we have to take action in order to resist. So psychologically I resist, but then I also have to, at whatever age I am, in whatever family I am, in whatever field or profession I am, create space for the resistance to point out the inequities and to actively work against them, to eradicate it, to uh, recognize it, to call it out when you see it, when to call it out when you hear it. And each of us can recognize something that is outside the confines of traditional psychology, and that is justice work is mental health work. Justice work is mental health work for yourself and for those around you. I want to create a society where children who look like me know their worth. I want to create a society where if people are marginalized by their sexuality, by their income, by their religion, that I am not closing my eyes in silence as persons who are in marginalized groups are more likely to be depressed, are more likely to be homeless, are more likely to commit suicide. I want to recognize that's not just a matter of an individual making a decision, that we are woven together and either we are actively resisting the status quo or we are being silent. Judith Herman, who wrote the book Trauma and Recovery, said, it's very easy to side with perpetrators. All they require is our silence. So if I don't speak about the ways in which people are mistreated, undermined, made invisible, then I am participating, collaborating with those systems. And on the other side, when I raise my voice to name it, to speak it, to celebrate those who are not celebrated, including myself, then I shift the tide in very powerful ways. When you see a group of children, I want you to know the predators often target the child that has been marginalized. They know that those children are not attended to, are not affirmed, are not celebrated, and so they prey on them. What would it mean 
If you had grown up knowing your worth, where would you be at this moment if you grew up recognizing your value, your intelligence, your talent, your beauty? What would it mean if not only did you know it, but when you walked into a space, other people in positions of power knew it? What would it mean if you were not constantly underestimated? Sometimes I like to try to flip it on its side and say, oh, I enjoy being underestimated because people don't see me coming. And that's true. I have been in many, many circumstances where uh, being a black woman, people assumed I did not know anything. And it's such a fun moment <laughs> when you take people by surprise. And at the same time, it can be very draining. It can be very exhausting. It can uh, cause burnout. It can cause some people to stop trying. And so I want to offer to you today, as we work for a more beloved community, as Dr. King told us, the beloved community, we have to create that space where people are loved and affirmed. While we are working on that, what we can do on an individual level is to see it. Because when we don't see it, uh, there's something in psychology uh, when we talk about African-Americans, uh, John Henryism, and it's basically this idea of if I don't acknowledge oppression, I can beat my head against a wall and then blame myself for my lack of progress. The same experience uh, when we think about other areas of oppression. If I do not recognize that that is a reality, then I can hold on to shame. I can hold on to self-blame and carry baggage that is not mine. So once I see it, it's not that I see it and surrender, but then I can become very intentional about doing things and going into spaces that nourish me and that provide a reality check. If for any group you are a minority member in society, you can find yourself sitting in spaces where you will question yourself because everyone else is functioning according to the system that is in play and pretending it doesn't exist. So you need at least one good friend that is your reality check. You have those moments where you're like, is it me, right? Is it me? Because we're gonna own our part, right? If there's something I'm doing, then I'm, going, I'm gonna take that, right? But uh, there are also realities that you do not have control over. There are also systems at play that you do not dictate, even with being outgoing, even with being friendly, even with trying to be a team player. Those experiences, those realities exist. And so a part of you exhaling this week is about you seeing it when it shows up. So your homework this week is consciousness raising. 
I want you to pay attention in the media. I want you to pay attention in magazines. I want you to pay attention if you go to social settings. Who is attended to? Who is ignored? On playgrounds, who is the popular one? Who is the forgotten one? On your campus, at your church, at your temple, recognizing who has power in this place. Who has the power in this place? And recognizing it can help to release some of what you have charged according to your own account. There are some things that you have blamed yourself for and you have not taken into account the realities. The second thing I want you to do, and some of you may be far advanced in this area, for some of you this will be new information, for one of the marginalized or two of the marginalized communities you are a part of, I want you to research someone of your same background, someone of your same group that you find celebration worthy, that you find to be a source of inspiration. So that may be a woman of color, it may be someone who is differently able, it may be someone from your religious tradition if you're a part of a marginalized religion, uh, it may be someone who didn't have a lot of money, didn't have a lot of education, and they are amazing and worthy of celebration. So you're going to one, do consciousness raising to see the ways in which oppression continues to show up around you. And then two, you're going to look for someone who reflects one of your identity markers or two of your identity markers uh, that's a source, can be a source of inspiration. That is who you are. So I want to end on today with this spoken word piece, and it's a piece uh, that I wrote related to my experience of being a black woman. Who will sing an upbeat black girl song? Songs of now and laters and bus passes. Songs of name brand jeans and name brand shoes and name brands branded in search of a place where everybody knows her name. Who will sing an upbeat black girl song? Songs of the intercourse of hip-hop beats and gospel hymns, caught in the act, caught in her throat. Songs of blues notes and Bible verses running marathons in her head from late night Friday all the way to Sunday school. Who will sing an upbeat black girl song? Songs of picking rolls of cotton and using a pick until she picked up a Revlon. Who will sing an upbeat black girl song? Cause the downbeat says, the downbeat says she's so black and lazy and slack. And the downbeat says she's a video hoe and of course academically slow. And the downbeat says she's so visible in welfare lines but so invisible in the minds of sharehold stakers and policy makers. But who will sing an upbeat black girl song? We will sing it for ourselves. We will sing it for ourselves. We will put our souls in our throats and our hearts and our lungs and sing of our survival. And the world will marvel at how long we hold our notes. Hold your note like Harriet held it. Hold it like Sojourner held it. If you don't know none of them, if you don't know none of them, hold it like your great great grandma held it. And the world will marvel at how long we hold our notes. And so today, after all you survived, 
after all your foreparents survived. I want your soul to say to your heart, your mind, your body, your spirit, welcome home. Thank you.